and welcome to the AK-47 podcast. My name is Kristen Godsey, and I am pre-recording a special episode for International Women's Day. So the reason I am pre-recording this is because I am literally not going to have my feet anywhere on the planet for the entirety of March 8th this year, which is International Women's Day. I am flying, I'm leaving from Houston Airport. I take off at 19.55, so 7.55 in the evening on March 7th, and I arrive in Auckland at 5.55 a.m. on Monday, March 9th. So this is a 15-hour flight, but because of the time difference, I'm literally going to be in the air for the entire 24-hour period that would constitute March 8th in the United States. So the reason I'm going to New Zealand is for the New Zealand Festival, where I am very nervous about being interviewed by the legendary Kim Hill, who is a you know, kind of paragon of international journalism. She's interviewed Margaret Atwood, and she once interviewed Nelson Mandela and Monica Lewinsky. She's quite renowned. She's also really tough. And we are doing uh, an interview for the New Zealand Festival, which I really need to prepare for. So this is going to be kind of a crazy jaunt down to New Zealand. I'm really excited about that. But I need to do something for International Women's Day because I feel like... It's a really important day this year, 2020. In the first place, it is the 100th anniversary year of the Soviet Union being the first country in the world to legalize on-demand abortion during the first trimester, which I think is something that we should recognize. There's a lot of discussion out there about women's suffrage in the United States, but we should realize that women in the Soviet Union actually had reproductive freedoms, largely thanks to Alexandra Kollontai uh, as early as 1920. And the other thing that I think is really important about 2020, obviously, is that it's a very important election year. And this podcast is largely a historical podcast. I feel like Alexandra Kollontai's life is really worth paying attention to. And her writing is very important, which is why I've taken so much time on this podcast to actually read her primary texts. But for this episode today, I want to do something a little bit different. I actually kind of want to tell a story about a former colleague of mine at Bowdoin College, a professor named Stephen Cerf, who was a professor of German. And Alexandra Kollontai quite probably saved his parents' life. Uh, Certainly his father Hans Cerf says so in his memoir. And I'm going to read today a little bit of that memoir. I'm going to tell a little bit of the story. And I think the message that I'd like to get across today for International Women's Day is that it is really important to fight for a larger cause, to be part of a movement, to find solidarity with your comrades and friends and family and lovers and anybody that you feel you can find support in this goal of trying to create a more just and equitable and sustainable future for us all. But 
I also think that in our daily lives, sometimes we do really small things or we don't do really small things, but I'm going to focus on the positive today. We do really small things that have huge effects on other people's lives. And we may not really know what we've done and we may not remember what we've done, but these actions are very important. And these are really small things about being a decent human being from one day to the other. That doesn't have to be about dedicating your life to a grand ideal or a noble cause. And I think what's wonderful about this little story that I'm going to tell you about Alexandra Kollontai is that it shows that not only was she herself dedicated to a grander cause and struggling for most of her life to achieve women's emancipation, but when push came to shove, she used her power and her authority as a woman, as a, as a rare woman actually, in a position of power and authority to help others when she didn't need to. And I think that it's a beautiful story. And so I'm going to spend this episode on International Women's Day telling you about my colleague, Stephen Cerf, and his father, Hans Cerf. So the way I heard about this story was back in March of 2010, so almost exactly 10 years ago, when I was still a professor at Bowdoin College, the communications people asked me to write about a feminist, an international feminist figure for Women's History Month. And of course, even back then, I was kind of a Kolontai fangirl, and I wrote a little piece about how important Alexandra Kolontai was to the movement for women's rights in the 20th century. And I think it was a day or two later, I got an email from Stephen Cerf, and he basically said, Alexandra Kolontai saved my parents' life. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Madame Kolontai. Madame Kolontai is a hero in my family. And I thought, wow, okay, I got to hear that story. So I contacted Steve, and he pointed me to his father's memoir, it's called By Leaps and Bounds, and I'll leave a link to it in the program notes for this show. It's available freely online through the New York Public Library, I believe. And Stephen had actually transcribed his father's memoir sometime in the early 80s. And there's this sort of wonderful story. So, so Steve's parents had been a German uh, Jewish Holocaust survivors. His father had actually been interned in a concentration camp and had escaped, and they were in Sweden. In 1940, just as the Germans invaded nearby neighboring Norway. So I'm going to read you a passage from the memoir, From Leaps and Bounds, where Hans Surf describes his meeting with Alexander Kollontai in the Soviet embassy in Stockholm. Then came the repulsive news of Germany's invasion of Norway. It shook me deeply. Again, the beasts loosed after me? No, not this time. I studied the situation thoroughly and decided to leave Sweden under any circumstances. But how? There was only one possibility, to fly to Moscow and cross Siberia to the Pacific and go to Tokyo. My thoughts had only one aim away from Europe. A very strange sequence of events shall now play a role 
of highest significance. My plan was made. I had enough money saved to finance the trip. All we had to do was rent our apartment and that was very easily done. It was beautifully furnished. The next morning, I went to a traveling agency to inquire how much a trip to Tokyo via Moscow, Trans-Siberian Railway, would cost. The cost was not the only worry. We needed visas. So I went to the Russian embassy to inquire. The clerk in charge of visas told me that it may take about six weeks till they would get the necessary information about us, without which no visa could be given. At this moment, fate stood by me. The door opened and a beautiful bosomy lady, all in black, stormed in in a hurry. Momentarily, I realized that this must be Madame Kolontai, the Russian ambassador to Sweden. Now, Hans, I said to myself, where is your Russian? I stepped before the lady. Listen, comrade Kolontai, I am a comrade too, and I have to get out now. She looked at me and liked me and turned to the clerk. Give him a visa. I said I needed two, one for my wife. Give him two, she said. I thanked her and went to fetch Kate, who didn't know a thing of what was going on. So in this tiny little selection of the memoir, it recounts essentially Alexandra Kolontai, obviously in a hurry, this, you know, beautiful bosomy lady all in black. I love that description in some ways. Just acting instinctively. She understood that this was somebody in great need who needed to get out of Sweden immediately. She probably assumed, of course, that it was related to the invasion of Norway and their fear that an invasion of Sweden would be imminent. And of course, as Jews, they would be deported probably back to the concentration camps. And Kolontai didn't stand on protocol. She didn't demand all the background information that would be necessary. She just issued the visas on the spot. And because of her actions, it's very likely that Hans and Kate Cerf survived the Holocaust. They eventually obviously made their way to the United States where um, they had a, a son, Steve, who, who relayed this incredible story to me. And so now it's International Women's Day. 2020, exactly 10 years after I've heard this story. I've kind of cherished this story for many years, but it wasn't until recently that I decided to actually go back and try to find the, the, the memoir and get in touch with Steve and make sure that it was okay for me to tell his family's story on my podcast because I understand that for some people these things can be very private, but it's a lovely story. And I think it shows that Alexandra Kolontai, in addition to all of her many achievements and her many writings and her many roles as politician and mother and ambassador and lover and wife and revolutionary, uh, she was also just really a very kind human being who understood the need for quick decision making and used her authority again authority that was rare for women to have at that time this is 1940 if you you know think about that that's 80 years ago at this point that she issued this visa sort of spontaneously and changed changed the history of you know a family's legacy a family's life so 
on that note, uh, I you're listening as you're listening to this podcast. I am flying over somewhere. I'm not really sure where I am, or where I will be. Somewhere in the skies, uh, on my way to New Zealand. I've been so grateful for the attention and the praise and support that I've gotten for the book "Why Women Have Better Sex Under Socialism." I am real. I just feel really grateful. The Polish edition of the book came out on March fourth, just a few days ago, and I believe that the Czech edition will appear on March sixteenth, so just over a week from today. And there's a Russian edition in the works as well. I've gotten wonderful notes and letters from people all over the world who are really interested in talking about the relationship between sex and socialism. And, you know, I do in some ways feel deeply indebted to somebody like Alexandra Kollontai. I'm sure the same way that Alexandra Kollontai probably felt very deeply indebted to somebody like August Bebel. I guess we all stand on the shoulders of intellectual giants uh, in some ways. But, you know, she is this really inspirational figure. And I will obviously never get to meet her because she died in 1952 <laughs> before I was born. But it is nice to hear personal stories about your heroes where when life throws them kind of a, a curveball, a, a situation uh, which is kind of unpredictable to hear that they act nobly and they act with compassion and they act decisively. And this story about Alexandra Kolontai, you know, saving my colleagues' parents really makes me think about my own life and all of the people in my life that I love and, and my students who I feel obligated to mentor and, and educate and, and, you know, share my knowledge and information and, and other people in the world who I, you know, may retouch in some way through my writing or my research uh, or maybe even through this podcast. I'm not really sure. It's, you know, there are day-to-day -day actions that really matter. And on this International Women's Day, I think we all need to kind of pat ourselves on the back for showing up and being available and trying to make the world a better place. It's not easy and it takes a lot of time and energy that most of us don't have. I know for me, it's been exhausting this semester. I have uh, really had a hard time sort of trying to keep on top of all of my obligations, both professional and personal, but I am really willing and able, I hope, for as long as I can be, to keep up the fight. Um, and so I always end this podcast by saying, keep up the good fight. And I think that's a really important message, but I also think that it's important to say and remind ourselves that we should also just be very kind to each other. Look out for the people around you who are in need and could use a little bit of help. And then don't be afraid to give that help. Don't be afraid to share your emotions and your attentions with those around you who are, you know, occasionally less fortunate or often less fortunate than you. Anyway, I don't want to get all preachy and maudlin, but I think that uh, International Women's Day is a fantastic holiday. And I am really sad that I am stuck on a plane for the entire day. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. Happy International Women's Day to all. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.